Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Why were they watching Jesus carefully? Were they hoping to learn from him? Were they filled with wonder and anticipation, hoping that Jesus really was the Son of God? I mean, imagine God sitting in your midst. Did they feel like there was something missing in their lives that only Jesus could fulfill? Well, the reason that they were watching Jesus closely is because they were hoping to catch Jesus teach something that was false. They were hoping to catch Jesus doing something that he shouldn't have done. You see, they didn't care who Jesus was. They saw him as competition. They didn't care what Jesus had to offer. Life was pretty good for them. They only cared that the people were paying more attention to Jesus than they were to them. Whether they knew it or not, the Pharisees and Sadducees were beginning to see their vocations, that's the places in which God has placed them to serve their neighbor, they were beginning to see these places as places of power, places that they had to secure instead of places of service where God wanted them to serve. The truth is, we can sometimes fall into this trap as well. We can tend to look at our lives as an endeavor to fulfill our own personal pursuits of happiness. We can see our jobs as pursuits for a larger paycheck, or as pursuits for more personal power and influence. We can look at our college educations as ways to prepare ourselves for that future that we want to get. If you haven't noticed, we spend an awful lot of time trying to discover, what do I want to do? What do I want to be when I grow up? What would make me the happiest? We can be tempted to think that everything in this life is all about me and me getting the things that I want or desire. With this type of attitude, we can be jealous of other classmates who seem to have it easier than us. We may have to study for hours and hours and they just crack a book and then close it back up and they got it. On career days, we can look at other students as competition that we have to beat out. We can even get angry at other students who move ahead of us. Even if the truth is, maybe they are better qualified than us. In weak moments, we can even hope that a student will fail or screw up so that we can move ahead of them. This is exactly 
the way that the Pharisees were interacting with Jesus. In their positions that God had actually placed them in, the Pharisees were supposed to be serving God's people with his word, with his promise. They were supposed to be teaching God's law and his gospel. And he would, they, they were to be pointing the people to the coming Messiah, the coming rescue. But in their own personal pursuits, they no longer fulfilled their vocations of providing for God's people. Instead, they were acting as though God hadn't provided for them at all. And they acted as though their positions were positions that they had to protect at all costs. Their pursuits were actually leading them. This is very ironic. They were supposed to be pointing to Jesus and their pursuits were actually leading them to get rid of God's promised Messiah. This is what happens with us as well. Christians are left here on earth in order to be salt and light in the midst of a dying world. They are to point the people to the Savior through their love for their neighbor and through their sharing of the hope that is within them. But oftentimes, the cares of the world, like our pursuits for power, a great paycheck, oftentimes our pursuits for pleasure, just distraction, destroy our witness to other people. We need to remember that God has placed us where we are so that two things would happen. Our faith and our trust in him would first increase. When you struggle, where do you turn? God bids you to turn to him. That's the first reason he has placed you exactly where you are. The second reason that he has placed you exactly where you are is so that upon receiving his love for you, your love for your neighbor would increase. We are to receive Jesus in his word and in his gifts of bread and wine so that we would bear fruit. That is, the fruit of good works for people who don't yet know Jesus. Jesus, knowing the Pharisees' struggles with the sin of pride and their struggle for self-preservation, he confronts them. That's what the word of God does to us every day. It confronts us where we're at. It comforts us when we are already low. And if we start walking in pride, it confronts us to bring us back. At this dinner that Jesus was at, there was a man who had dropsy. This disease, from my understanding, is like common, uh, I forget how you pronounce it, endema. But it's a gathering of fluid, either at the waist or in the trunks of your legs or your limbs. And if bad enough, it can leave a person immobile. This man with dropsy was before Jesus and the Pharisees at the dinner. 
And Jesus noticed that they were just watching him like a hawk. And so he turned to the lawyers and Pharisees who were watching him with ill intent. He said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took the man with dropsy and healed him, and he sent him away. And then he turned back to them and said, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. What did he just do here? He showed them that they were not living their lives out of love for their neighbor. He pointed out that they themselves would break the law if it benefited them to save their son or to um, uh, save their livelihood with their, with their ox. In other words, the law could also be used and was used by them to get them out of doing things they didn't want to do. Oh, I would help you today, but it's the Sabbath. I would care for you, but it's the Sabbath. The law was being used to their benefit and personal gain and not out of love. And Romans 13 tells us that the fulfillment of the law is this, love. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He's described as God's love for the world. And out of love for the world, Jesus did what the law actually points us to. He laid down his life that sinners like us could be saved. And guess what? We need his love. As we receive Jesus' work, we pray that his love would create in us love for our neighbors. I don't want to see my neighbor, I don't want to see my other fellow college students as enemies. I want to see them as somebody that Jesus died to save. He loves my neighbor just as much as he loves me. And that means out of thanksgiving, I want to love who he loves. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I want God to make me into one thirsty person who leads another thirsty person to living waters of baptism. I want to be made into a hungry person who feeds on the supper of the Lord and in turn brings others to hear the confession of faith that leads to them eating that meal right alongside of me. And where there is pride in my life, and I'm proud to say that I don't have much of it, <laughs> totally joking. But where there is pride in my life, I want God to humble me. I don't want to be someone who lives only for my gratification. 
I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I'm saved. I am saved. Based on his good work. And I want him to use me to save others. Through good works. Now you don't go, I, I don't expect any of you to go around campus just preaching to people. But I do expect you to go around campus loving others as yourself, helping someone out in need. And through those good works, you will probably gain friends that lead to opportunities to share the saving hope that comes with faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus began to teach the Pharisees and lawyers who were made silent by his word and his work of healing. He taught them, saying, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the place of honor. He saw them clamoring to get the best place, shoving out the the lower Pharisees and Sadducees, probably those newly ordained. I've been to pastor gatherings. (laughs) But he says to them, when you are invited, do not sit in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by 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 him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place right at the beginning so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everybody who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now this could look like Jesus is giving them strategies for success. Hey guys, you want to learn a trick that I learned? No. What he is really describing is his work and ministry. You see, Jesus is the one who humbled himself to the point that he is servant of all. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He took the lowest place of all in order to give us poor, miserable sinners places of honor in heaven that we by no means deserve. You can't get any more exalted than Jesus. And yet he humbled himself in order to lift us up. Unfortunately, we often walk around looking for ways to exalt ourselves just like the Pharisees did. In other words, we're like the man who chose the highest seat for himself. That man, in his humiliation, was moved from the high position that he sought for himself. In closing, 
Jesus urged the men to think of others in their service. They had jobs that were very important. If they were thinking of others, people would really benefit. When they had served in the past, it was done with much pomp and circumstance so that even in their service, they would get praised. He wanted their motivations to stem not from a hope of getting noticed, but from a grateful heart that has already received good things from God. And what's our motivation for good works? Do we do good things to get noticed? Or do we do good things because we're thankful? That's a great question. Why am I doing this? Through his providing us our daily bread to support our bodies in life, through his word and sacrament, through the actual deliverance from hell into heaven, we have lots of reasons to live out our service to others in thanksgiving. Because of all the love that we have received, we have lots of reason to love. Even those we see as competition. I pray that when our motives are stained with self-interest and pride, that God would humble us, take the time to humble us, as he did with the Pharisees in our gospel. For we know that when God humbles us, it is to put us in a position where we are ready to receive his grace. And I pray that when he humbles us, we would not harden our hearts to his law. For when we do that, we end up removing ourselves from the saving work of Jesus. God has placed you exactly where you are supposed to be even here at Purdue University. He has placed you here so that you would lean on him, just like the man who had dropsy did. And this leaning on Jesus for your forgiveness and your peace, it changes you. And that leads to the second reason that God has placed you where you are in the vocations that you live in, even the vocation of student. You are here not to gain treasures on earth. You are placed where you are to serve your neighbor. That is, that is God wants you to live in his love so that you would love others. Your fellow classmates, your professors, and the people that he has placed in your way. Your love for them is a witness that they are cared for by someone greater. And upon seeing your love and your peaceful disposition, you are here to share with them the love that God has for them through the same Jesus that you know. Through the church, the word of God goes forth And this going forth 
is for the saving of all who will believe. You are not here for yourself. In your vocations, you have an important role to play in the most important work of all, the saving of the world. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.